Welcome to The Scoop. My name is Rory Hughes. Today we are here with Kat Rafferty, who is running for VP of Welfare at QUDSU. Today we're going to talk down through your manifesto, just sort of read back through it, um, ask a couple questions and clarify some points. So one of your first points is about mental health. Because it's such a big issue in contemporary society, it's obviously a big issue in your manifesto, but you talk about you want each sort of school to commit to doing more. Yes. Really? How would you ensure schools do that? Well, so last semester I did a little bit of like uh, work as the title I got kind of caught with was um, Mental Health Ambassador. Mm-hmm. And I went to every school, I emailed every school and talked to them about um, what they were doing and what they did in terms of providing mental health services to students and some schools do a lot like they really genuinely do a lot and they do seem to care a lot about their students mm-hmm. um however there were some schools that came back to us and said we do absolutely nothing we mm-hmm. don't have the resources to do anything we don't uh have anyone with the experience or the expertise to do anything so we don't do anything and that i don't think is acceptable that if some are doing if, that if some schools are doing stuff and other schools aren't then there's a huge gap there and there's a like there's a some students are getting more support than others and it should be a fairly level playing field Mm -hmm. so obviously there are some courses that maybe have some very specific things part of them uh that maybe some people need a little bit of help with um but on a lot of in a lot of occasions that's not really the like the a lot of occasions it's more about trying to get everyone sort of like an equal and level playing field so the idea would be Go to, go to the schools that do really well with the students and have loads of things in place and say, well, what framework do you use? What's the best code of practice? And then go to the other schools and say, well, look, this is what these schools do. Do you want to try and implement some of these and get each school to set its own goals and targets and even the schools that are doing really well to try and get them to support students even more than they already are? Has there been any kind of clearly identifiable factor as to why some schools are really good and some schools aren't? Or is it just purely down to like level of resources it just seemed it actually whenever i looked at it some of them seemed really kind of random the school of pharmacy seemed to do quite a lot like they have a, their own um student-led mental health team i know my school triple ecs are um planning on introducing something like that um but some schools do like like i said the director of education i think it was came back to me from the school of chemistry and chemical engineering and said we don't do anything we don't have the resources to do it mm-hmm. um and it wasn't the only one but the point is like it doesn't there doesn't seem to be any specific reason any school is better than the other um but some just are doing more and it could just be they've got the staff in that school who are interested in it and are ready to help students or they're the students who have taken on projects in it um and other schools don't uh, i don't know if there's any specific reason for it so I'm assuming this is one of the, like a sort of auxiliary way that you're going to try and combat it is an increased amount of literature. Uh, yeah, that's one thing that I was looking to do. It's not maybe necessarily an increase, but maybe a better way of looking at literature. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking about doing would even be having things like this is a working title, by the way, because there's no, uh, there's like I don't know what I would call it, and I don't particularly like the current sort of working title that I'm working with, but um, sort of like a campus heroes scheme, which would be a a way of promoting the work that some of the people around campus do for students, like the excellent work that some 
staff and students do for other students' mental right. health. Um, and just saying, like, let's celebrate the great work that they do. Um, but at the same time, it shows that if a student has problem X, Y, or Z, this is who you go to, this is who mm. you can talk to um, about it. Um, so, yeah, it, I think that, um, you know, better showing where the literature is and how it can be dispersed is probably a good idea. There is quite a lot of literature and a lot of resources there, but it is a matter of finding them and getting the the literature to the people that need it. Mm. So, um, yeah. Um, just because it is the first point you made on your manifesto, I was wondering, what do you think of the Omni... Uh, mental health campaign that just came in I I really like it because uh, it's an evidence based campaign it's also not one of these awareness weeks I think I mentioned that later on in my mm-hmm. manifesto about uh, you know awareness weeks don't really affect change so I think Omni is really good it's a really good idea um, and whatever I would do with mental health would obviously probably build into uh, Omni in fact the research that I did last semester with the, um, with all of the schools that was all fed back into the preparation for Omni. Mm. Um, so I think Omni is really good. I think it's a step in the right direction. It's based off the step change model in the UK, um, which is the idea that you're looking for factors in uh, in the causes of issues with mental health and it, for it to be a holistic rep- approach and to look at the, 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 the causes of mental health problems not just the effects of them so it's um, preventative as well as responsive moving on then through your manifesto uh, your next main point is about personal safety and of course it's a it's a very very important issue particularly for students because they are prone to being in possibly more dangerous scenarios than other members of the public on a more frequent basis you talk about the idea of running a crash course yeah. Uh, could you specify what that would be? Okay. So it's based off a model that was uh, created by the Newry and Morn uh, District Youth Council, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if that still exists, but it, I think it. I think it does. But they, I, I still have like the contact details for like some of the youth workers from it and stuff. But they basically ran a simulation of like a night out where they would do things like they'd see if people notice if their friend didn't get into a club or they'd put maybe put a sticker on someone's cup and be like I put a sticker on your cup that's as easy as it is to spike someone you know you need to look after your drinks you know? yeah yeah um, and the idea is to call attention to that and to try to get people to be more aware of the things that could happen another thing about this sort of crash course would be about trying to better promote what facilities are specific to students so mm-hmm. things like the cab now pay later scheme which I talked a lot about last year because it is a thing that exists and it exists within the union but barely anyone uses it because barely anyone knows it yeah, I mean, I didn't know about it until you told me about it last year. Yeah. Honest, and I've, I've told a fair few people about it. I think it's just something people should be using more of, so, yeah. Yeah, do you want to give a quick explanation, just to remind people about it? Um, so, basically, the Cap Now Pay Later scheme is this idea that if you are on a night out and you don't have any money on you or you've lost your, your purse or whatever, if you have your student card on you, you can phone Value Cabs. And Value Cabs will uh, take you home, or they'll take you where you need to be to, for a maximum fare of £10. They'll take your student card from you, give it to Students' Union, and then you pay the Students' Union your fare at a later date. That's such a good thing. More people should know about that. It's so um, simple. I feel like I said this last year, though. <laughs> um, 
So moving on again then, another key issue in your manifesto is accessibility to the freshers fairs and university fairs and XYZ. How would you go about improving accessibility to these? Okay, so I talked a lot about this last year as well, but not in my election campaign. I did a lot through it as I was the uh, disabled students officer at the time. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing with it was I just wanted to, like, I just think that if you have any sort of disability, you can't you can't go into those fairs, they're too busy, they're too crowded, um, a lot of the times you can only move through them in one direction, um, there's not a lot of support there if you need to leave, um, and they're just, they aren't accessible and a lot of people just don't go to them because they because they physically cannot get around them, they can't get into them. Uh, I looked, whenever we were discussing this last year with, um, I kind of set up like this committee thing um, that kind of fell apart for the simple reason that I was no longer in charge of it um, and it was basically talking to uh, the people who organise like freshers fair and graduate fairs and stuff um, about we had sort of came up with two different solutions one was maybe like a buddy scheme where someone could go up and they could say look I'm not comfortable going through this on my own but if someone's with me and can help me get out if I need to leave um, I'm fine with going through it because um, I know that that would help me kind of thing um, but another sort of situation that we, not situation another sort of solution that we looked at was the possibility of having a sort of separate room you set the person down the person that needs the help down in that room um and you have someone go through the fair for them and mm. collect any literature from any tables that you know they just say i want um i want to know about clubs x y or z or employers a b or c and they it's someone go through the fair for them talk to the people at those tables, get literature from them and if there's someone from that table who is free or available then they could come and talk to the person in that room rather than having that person go through so it would the entire fair. bring the information to them rather than forcing yeah. them to have to go and get it yeah. in a way that they don't enjoy. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a good idea considering that a lot of the freshers fair are, um, it's like sensory overload and it's, there's loud music, there's lots of people. Yeah. It can be quite uncomfortable if you're not if you're not akin to that situation normally. But even if you have like a mobility issue or anything like that, you still like, how do you maneuver a crowd like that? How do you yeah. get upstairs? How do you, you know, it's 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 about sort of like remote access. And there are other simpler things that people were talking about which could make it, the experience easier as well, such as like if they release the floor plans earlier and mm. make those more visible to people that anyone could access them, then they could be like, okay, right, I need to get to here, here and here. But um, this is the quickest way that I can do that without... Um, that's the quickest way that I can do it without, um, you know, anything else intervening. So. Oh, so a route can be planned ahead of time so it helps yeah. maximise the efficiency of things. Um, do you need to get the placement interview travel fund is quite an like it's a, quite a unique thing. I've, I've not heard of anyone having this idea before. Have you spoken to any companies about potential sponsoring of it? I haven't, but I. I haven't spoken to any sort of companies or employers yet. Uh, notably, I can't go to graduate fairs to talk to employers, so you know, there's that. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know how much employers would be up for that. That was just kind of my solution A, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. That's plan A. If, uh, but I think it is a huge thing that you know, if you have to travel to Dublin, that's thirty quid for a train ticket for the day. You mm -hmm. know, if you have to travel for an interview, if you have six or seven interviews, that all adds up. If you if you're financially tight on money, 
and you're looking for a job, you know, you don't have the money to go and find a job, which is the whole idea of the the placement um, interview travel fund, which, you know, realistically, it could, realistically, it should actually be, I should have maybe said graduate um, interview travel fund, because it would apply to both. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea would be, if I can't secure funding, for, if I can't get companies to sponsor it, um, so I want to make this sustainable so that if I got elected, this would outlive me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea would be I would try find some other sustainable form of income for it, whether that be through applying to other funds or lobbying for something else or asking the university to, pr- to contribute to it. Um, I would find something else if, if, if employers don't like the idea, but I think they, I realistically think that they should. Because it would motivate them to get the ba- the best candidates through their job. I mean, why should anyone be denied the the opportunity for employment just because they don't have the money to get there? Mm-hmm. No, it, it's it's a very good idea. It's just it's it's fighting against kind of a rigged system. It's like you know when you when you just come out of university and you're applying for jobs, and if you've done a coding course and they want three years of experience, of experience and you're like, but I don't. Like I literally just finished, and this is meant to be a graduate position and all that kind of stuff. Um, similar to that is the issue of money management, which is a big issue that plagues students, because um, it is difficult, and we're all running on very low, very tight budgets, as yeah. you as you've mentioned. Um, how how would you go about doing this? Is this kind of information courses, drop-in things? Or? Um, it's a little bit of, uh, of different stuff. I spoke about how to run these kind of things before with uh, Debbie in Advice SU because I was trying to run it in Queen's Accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, the big piece of advice that I was given was don't call it a workshop. <laughs> um, that, was the, that, that was the first piece of advice that I was given was don't call it a workshop. And I did put a lot of time, effort and research into it where um, it was basically I set up this kind of like information ses- session or um, sometimes my, my bosses and moms called it a master class um, so we did all like we tried all different sorts of things and the idea was just um, taking through people taking through taking people through sort of like different sort of major questions that they might have like how do I budget for this or what if I'm looking at a part-time job what happens when I run into trouble and trying to answer those questions and trying to help people when they're mm-hmm. when, like like help people when they're struggling but also like prevent people from struggling in the first place I know I struggled a lot with money in first year because I got my part-time job when I was in second year um and also like I lived in Elms and Elms you know despite what they say is you know kind of expensive um so yeah I so would they then have to be kind of frequently run because there's not any sort of set time of year where people go into financial issues do you know what I mean it's, yeah it's not like uh, oh like October 13th is the date when everyone starts freaking out about money do you know what I mean yeah. there's not so we'd have to run it so my first sort of protocol would be to try to run them preventively at the start of the year so try that sort of like alongside the crash course about staying safe mm-hmm. but then have it like available maybe online mm-hmm. as, as an online option for help um, or to try again, like run them again, maybe at the start of the start of the second semester, or um, maybe make them a, a bookable course. I don't know. It would be sort of like it would sort of be like um, supply and demand kind of thing. I think you'd need to see how many people need it at any one time. Um, 
to move on to the last couple of questions that we have, um, you'll be glad to hear. Um, <laughs> you talk about cross-campus campaigning. Yeah. Uh, and you want to sort of increase the mobility of uh, campaigns and all those schemes and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Is How would you go about that? Because because we are in a transition since university and yeah. things are kind of in flux. How would you increase the mobility when the like central hub is moving as it is do you know what I mean well I think the fact that the central hub is moving about probably actually makes it easier to do because as it is they have to be in a position where they can easily move Mm -hmm. so the idea of um, cross-campus campaigning is to a make campaigning more accessible you might notice that as a theme throughout my manifesto Um, so to make like the campaigns more accessible to people um, to make the campaigns more visible to people, but also to bring them away from, you know, just simple awareness weeks, mm-hmm. um, because like they haven't really been run that much this this year, which I think is a good thing. It's a, it's a it's a positive change um, to move to more longer term campaigns that actually affect change and can actually change people's mind. Because um, it's it's one thing saying, oh, I want to look at mental health this week, but you know, three months down the line. Are the people that you talk to are they still going to remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of the idea behind the cross campus campaigning is is about scaling down, um, s- scaling down the campaigns, but also making them more, uh, you know, more accessible to people, more mobile, and trying to also trying to increase engagement because you can ask students to come to you, but they won't, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's the idea behind that. So would you move away then from Awareness Weeks? What, what were your, I was just wondering what your issue was with Awareness Weeks. It's purely just Awareness Weeks don't really affect change. They don't have a lasting impact. Yeah, mm. they're great for setting up events and trying to get people initially invested in a thing. But once that week's over, is that like, do the people still really care about those issues now that there aren't events about them on all the time? So it doesn't ensure longevity it kind of sparks an interest yeah but it doesn't it doesn't carry it through it doesn't carry it through it's literally just a one like it's it's a one week thing and yes you could say hey look at all the look at all the things we do this week about mental health but like I, kind of like what you were saying earlier about how um money crises can happen at any point mm-hmm. in the year so can mental health crisis you know you can have a mental health crisis because you've just been bereaved because uh you've got a, a piece of coursework coming up and coursework's co- come and go at different times. You could have it because, you know, maybe you're breaking up with your significant other. There's so many different reasons and they're not all, um, they're not all uh, the same. So once again, by making the campaigns more longer term, mm-hmm. you can hopefully catch more people in the net, if that makes sense. So the final point I have to ask you about is to do with the rumour mill of elections. Yes. Um, and the one particular rumour that's going around is sparked by the contentious debate that is abortion and it's a very emotive, very sensitive debate. Um, I just wanted to ask um, how you would react to the university's pro-choice mm-hmm. and how you would react in your role to carry that forward. See, this is a question that came up last year and during the candidate question time, and that I can't—I think I would still come back with the answer uh, that I said last time. And if someone came to me and in the middle of like a crisis pregnancy, I would sit and I would listen to them and I would forward them to 
whoever they needed to be, whether that be the family and planning service or whoever they wanted to go and see what, however they wanted to progress. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that I know there are rumors that I am uh, there. There are rumors that I am pro life, but that's not necessarily true. I'm not pro choice or pro life. I try to remain as neutral as I can on the thing. I just don't like seeing people suffering or hurting, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't think there's an. I don't think there's an easy answer to that topic of being pro-choice or being pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so, you know, the university stance is being pro-choice and I just want the best for whoever comes in through my doors. And it, I'm not I, I'm not pro-life, I'm not pro-choice. I, I stay on the fence about it as much as I possibly can. I've never been in that situation. I've never been close to anyone who has. Um, and... The, the problem with talking about this is I talk to a lot of people who are pro-choice and because they're so heavily pro-choice that they listen to me and they think I'm pro-life and I'm, I'm really not. I am I have issues with some of the things that pro in the pro-choice movement, but it's more of a campaigning thing rather than what they're doing or mm-hmm. what they're aiming to do. Um, it's not a... It's it, more like stylistically how they're doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's stylistically how they're doing it. It's not what they're... I don't have an issue with what, uh, with what they're trying to achieve. It's more like how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um... But, like, I just don't get involved with it. I, it's, it is as simple as that. I, I just I stay away from it. That's okay. And, <laughs> as and much it, as I possibly can. Um, and fair play to you for being honest and answering the question. It's just we had to ask because the student unit is proudly pro-choice and there will be, unfortunately, there will be people, if you get the position, that will yeah. come to you in crisis scenarios. Yes. And it's sort of your duty to give for, them the information. Yeah, yeah. but I wouldn't not do that like like I said I don't like seeing people in suffering or in pain so if someone is coming to me and they're in the middle of a crisis I will do everything I can mm-hmm. to help them um, I have dealt with people who have had numerous crises not not pregnancy crisis but I've had um, people come to me with mental health issues people who have come to me after bereavement people who like I, I am someone that people do find approachable mm-hmm. Um and I, I do want to be that, and I want to help people in whatever way that they think suits them best. Mm-hmm. So if someone is looking to terminate, I don't know a lot about termination. I will send them where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I will listen to them for as long as for as long as they want me to listen to them. Um, I won't say anything in particular one way or the other. Um, but again, it's for me. It's more of a minimizing pain, minimize suffering kind mm. of thing, rather than a, it about being the pregnancy. It's about the person or the people. Or so it's an involved. individual case by case, rather than a sweeping statement of which is why I don't like. Been. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's why I don't like saying pro life or pro choice because it's too. They're too broad. To find out more information about the QUB SU election coverage or to listen in to our interviews with the running candidates, follow at QR The Scoop on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening.